Welcome to Spring the Beacon with Ryan Rieger. Today we're playing Lego, and Daddy has other dice stay on my play Lego. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger, and today I'm chatting with Brent Bowers. And I got to say, one of the coolest things about being a podcast host is the really awesome people that I get to talk to and get to meet and build relationships with. And Brent is one of those that I am so glad I said yes to. Uh, he is dealing in land. He makes passive income from buying and selling land. It's so cool. I'll always like to look for unique stories like this. He is a, a veteran and loves to help veterans make extra money, but has a whole program where he will teach you how to uh, find the land, how to buy it, how to sell it, how to make passive income from it. I had Stephen Hibbert on there with me as well, too, because Stephen's are, as you know, is a real estate guy. We just had a fun conversation, learning about uh, Brent's story, how he got started, what he's doing now. And if you want to learn more, go to thelandsharks.com, thelandsharks.com. Brent has his own podcast, and he's got a couple freebies he can uh, give to you. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, the postcard that he sends out is one of them. And then also uh, the his sales or his uh, letter, um, his purchase agreement that he sends out as well to some people. He actually act will get some people to... Uh, sign that purchase agreement and send it back to him. And he, he provides land that way. It's pretty crazy, but Brent's a really, really cool guy. Pretty sure I'll have him on again because he, there's just so much more we could have dug into. Uh, I know you're going to love this interview. Here it is. Brent, welcome to streams of income. So glad to have you. Hey, great to be on. I love the, I, I mean, I love the name of this podcast streams of income. <laughs> we like talking about streams of income. We do. Um, yeah. I've been doing this three and a half years. I saw that you had interview valet. Is that working really well for you? I love interview That's valet. Awesome. Um, I mean, they connect me with good guys like you. Um, they are next level. They help me pretty much take the thought out of it. Yeah. The monkey just comes and performs. And I'm, That's I'm so cool. So. <laughs> That's so cool. How many podcasts have you done so recently through them? Oh, uh, I think I've done about, I don't know, 15 or 20 this year already. That's awesome. So, wow. No, I'm probably about 15, actually. 15. That's crazy. So, us entrepreneurs and visionaries. In the middle of February. Yeah, that, we we that, uh, visionaries and entrepreneurs we always blow things out of proportion. So I have to reel right. myself back all the time. I had two hundred so. interviews so far this year. <laughs> I mean, five thousand interviews. <laughs> we met a guy at Podfest that wanted to do some insane number. Remember for the year? I forget. Oh what he yeah, said. he wanted to do ninety podcasts in ninety, 90 days. I thought, wow, yes. that's that's a very aggressive. That's awesome. <laughs> that would be so cool. I think I can do that. I really do because this is the easy side. You host. You yeah. guys asking the questions. You have to think. I just. Blah, yeah, because you already know all this stuff that you're going to be talking about unless I ask <laughs> yeah. you something really crazy off the wall. Yep. So cool. Well, um, obviously, I don't know. Um, you, you probably you don't have. There's no way you have time to listen to podcasts of everybody that you're on. But um, but I love to hear people's stories. So if you just take us back to when you got started, I mean, anything that you feel is relevant. Um, but uh, I love hearing folks' stories because it's just so fascinating. Yeah. So I've always been interested in having multiple streams of income. Robert Allen, uh, a real estate coach that Stephen probably knows about, um, talked about multiple streams of income. Most millionaires have seven streams or more of income. I wanted to be rich. You know, growing up, it was just pretty, pretty simple. You know, I could, I could 
I would know when my dad was coming to pick me up from daycare because I would hear this piece of crap car coming. And everyone was like, ah, Brett, your dad's here, <laughs> Brett, Brett, because they would hear it from miles. But what was really fun about that car was, you know, we'd be going down the road and let me let me just put this disclaimer out there. My dad never missed a day of work ever. Mm-hmm. And my mom didn't either. They were both the hardest workers ever. Yeah. But they work for other people and they build other people's businesses. Yep. So going back to the car, I would drop beer cans. We would lift the mat, you know, those uh, rubber mats so you don't get uh-huh. mud in the car. Yep. My dad had some of those, not to protect the car, but it was so your foot didn't go out of the, the hole in the floor. <laughs> so I would uh, drop beer cans going down the road um, out the car. So I just knew that one day I wanted to, you know, have a lot of money and, you know, buy yeah. things and, you know, help my parents and they don't need help anymore. They're doing good. But um, awesome. I just wanted to change that. And I did that with real estate. That's got in real estate 2007, got my real estate license, bought that first rental property. Then 2008 happened and kicked my butt. Mm-hmm. I quit. I w- went for an easier career, which was the military. I thought, so I thought, mm-hmm. and uh, did a couple combat deployments wow, in Afghanistan. Yeah. Thank God bless, man. God bless our troops. Um, my first wife ended up leaving me for another man on my second deployment. Mm, you know, wow. so I got some bruises and battered a little along the way. Wow. And then thir- 2013, the military pulls me out of that second deployment, says, we're going to send you to school to be an officer. I got to go to um, college, a private school, and I started wholesaling houses to pay for courses, pay for classes, I mean, and uh, the tuition. And then ultimately found the woman of my dreams, got married. Uh, we moved to Colorado. I started wholesaling houses out there and I was picking up rentals along the way. Mm-hmm. But one thing they don't tell you about rentals is you accumulate a lot of debt buying these things and fixing them up. And um, I was always in the negative every year. I never made I never made money on these rentals, even though I was getting two, three hundred dollars a month net. So and I'm doing that air quotes. Anybody listening mm-hmm. to this net. You can almost set your watch by it, but about every six to eight months, something will break, like a water heater or an air conditioner, a sewer system, a, a sewer pipe. Uh, I once had a geyser of sewer water coming through oh, no. uh, a, a, a bathtub drain in a basement. Oof. Crazy how that happened. But I always lost money, mm-hmm. and I was searching for answers, kind of like on Streams of Income podcasts yeah. like this. <laughs> and I heard about a guy flipping land, and this was early 2016. And he was talking about like doubling his money in like two days on land. And I was like, wait a minute. If that's... I'm going to prove this wrong. There's no way it's that easy. Mm-hmm. So I started mailing landowners that were behind on their taxes yeah. and haven't looked back since. So here wow. we are today. Wow. 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 That is so cool. How'd you get, what'd you do right before um, you said 2007, you got into real estate. What were you doing before that? Have you always been like entrepreneurial minded? Yeah. I had a lawn service that I started okay. um, in, in like middle school. I borrowed the neighbor's lawnmower and mowed the other person's grass. And <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I got to where I was pushing. I ran that mower to the ground, and then my grandpa drove a lawnmower down from Alabama to Florida, and it wow. didn't work. He didn't drive the lawnmower. <laughs> he put it in the back of the truck. Um, but me and my dad fixed it, and I got that thing running, and I ended up building I was doing like 150000 gross um, in 2004 when I graduated high school. And then no my dad way. came out with me in like 2006 or 2005 or six time frame. And I was already trying had my foot out the door wow. to get my real estate license. 
That's awesome. I mean, I love hearing unique stories like that. You borrow the neighbor's lawnmower to blow other other people's yards. <laughs> yeah. Like, I people email me and want to know, like, what if I? Some of them have no, literally, no money or just very, very little to start a business. And I tell them, like, consignment, like, go find somebody's junk and sell it on eBay or Facebook Marketplace. That's a whole other one right there. Like, go borrow somebody's lawnmower and mow mow yard. You can make you know twenty bucks. <laughs> That is brilliant, the whole consignment thing you just said. I keep wishing someone would knock on my front door and offer to clean out my garage. They can have everything in it (laughs) except for the vehicle and my wife, as long as my kids aren't in there. Well, I wouldn't give away their bicycles either. But, um, you know, just take it, sell it, clean this freaking garage. Like I go out there about every few months and spend a couple hours in a six-pack um, just cleaning it myself, but it's, uh, yeah, that's a, well, plus you get money for it too. So the consignment model for anybody that cares is, you know, somebody, they literally could take that junk off your hands, go sell it and then split the profits with you. So you get money too, and don't have to do any of the work. That's definitely a Florida pain point is those garages being filled to the max. Yeah. And no one in Florida parks in their garage. I do because we live in Colorado (laughs) for eight years. And if you don't birds poop on your car, here but uh yeah we still park in our garage and no one in florida does that like it's full of jet skis and boats and you know wow. stack to the ceiling steve why do you say it's in, in florida is it just because of the jet skis and the boats or is it no i think it's because people from up north come down they're used to having a basement and i think oh, they lose that space because yeah. we can't dig more than five feet down without hitting water so that everything oh. goes in the garage yeah i we, learned we something new today i didn't Texas know why either. <laughs> Oh it's God. a good way for us to locate houses because there's normally a something outside that's a little bit more run down that we don't want in the garage. And then it's a sign of they might be willing <laughs> to sell stuff so that we knock on the door and start asking what's for sale. Oh, my that's gosh. Cool. Very cool. Well, I want to hear more about land because I know, Stephen, you're going to have some questions that are you know, better than my questions. But thinking from a perspective, somebody that um, I've done real estate in the past, Brent, I actually had some rental property up in Indiana for a while, had a few apartment buildings, actually. And then when I moved to Texas, it became really hard to manage those. Um, you know, my brother kind of was still involved and then that just didn't go well. And 2008 happened. Um, so I know some, your brother screwed it all up or what? Yeah, no, it wasn't my brother. He didn't, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> Throw him under the bus, Ryan, go for it. <laughs> it wasn't his fault at all. But, uh, there were actually three of us and then, then it became, then my one partner backed out and then my brother and I were trying to do it together. And then when I moved to Texas, I just impossible to, to run it from here the way we were doing it. I mean, we probably could have done something different, Stephen. I didn't know Stephen then, so we, he could have <laughs> saved us from disaster. But tell us why land, because I, I can obviously think of, you know, you don't have anybody calling you in the middle of the night that their toilet backed up. Um, that's probably yeah. one huge advantage, but what, uh, what, what's, what do you say about that? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. We actually just sold a parcel of land in Indiana um, a couple months ago that we're getting payments for every single month. I wow. couldn't tell you those people's names sure. um, because they don't call. The only time they call is when they want to um, you know, pay extra or pay it off um, or change their, their card information or, hey, I got a new bank account. I need to add this. <laughs> um, but why land? You know, I talked about that first land mailing. I mailed a postcard. It was a handwritten postcard that said, hey, my name is Brent. I'd like to buy your land at 123 Main Street if it had an address. If not, I'd just put El Paso County, Colorado, because I was started this at Fort Carson, Colorado, where I was stationed. Yeah. 
And if you're interested in an all-cash fair price offer, call me or text me. God bless you. And if anybody wants that postcard, um, they can have it at thelandsharks.com forward slash postcard. And it works. I've bought millions of dollars worth of land with this postcard. Now, we've changed it a little bit over the years. Um, I don't just mail tax delinquent land anymore, but it was a great start for me. Yeah. I, I had a list from the county um, that basically had people that were behind on taxes. And I had to scrub that list. Basically, I had to figure out what was the land, what was the homeowners, what was the single family residences, what was the mobile homes. Mm. And I, I hired someone in um, India to do that. Her name is Malika. Yeah. She yeah. charged me $5 an hour to scrub that list. And then yep. we mailed the list. Um, and I mailed that postcard I just talked about. Mm. Well, I thought I was mailing the tax delinquent list. It was actually the county held tax lien list. This land was so inefficient, not buildable, not accessible, landlocked. And these people were years behind on taxes and no mm. one ever offered that to buy it from them until me. Um, so it was almost like throwing a little tiny uh, worm in a drying up pond and the fish yeah. were just like piranhas. So they call like in the first, and I'm getting to Y land. No, the first good. man I spoke to was a retired CPA, the nicest gentleman ever. He said, Hey, I got your mailer. I'd love to sell it. I traded it years ago for tax work. And I've been paying the back taxes and now I'm just behind and I'm about to lose it to foreclosure. Mm -hmm. So give me $285 at yours. I didn't have to negotiate with this guy. I said, okay, great. Can I go look at the land? And he said, yeah, sure. Here you go. Told me where it was at. Gave me um, the, the schedule number, um, which is an assessor's parcel number. So I looked it up, figured out the coordinates, put it in Google Maps. There's better things for that, like Land Glide and Onyx Hunt that you can use. All times have but changed. Yeah, I didn't know about this stuff in 2016, early 2016. One time, Land Glide actually got me out of the woods. I was lost in the woods. Oh my um, gosh. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, Land Glide saved my life. I got that's a great testimony for them. I wish they had an affiliate link. I would totally be sending that out. Um, but uh, so I drove to it and we're looking at it. We can't figure out what it's worth. And I'm like, why is this beautiful land? So we're leaving me, my wife and my newborn baby, brand newborn baby. And um, I call the real estate office at the bottom of the hill. And I was like, hey, what's this thing worth? What's the blowout price? I want to sell this thing quick. You know, yeah. I didn't have any money or time because I was army, brand new army officer, had all this debt from these freaking rentals. Mm. Um that my brother was running into the ground. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> Thank God my brother doesn't no, listen to my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, I have a brother-in-law and uh, that's it. I don't have a brother. But um, so the realtor says, you know, I think you could sell it for 10 grand. And I was like, wow. my eyes popped out of my head and I was like, I've struck gold. Yeah. I'm a genius. So I hang up. I think they're for a time. I said, I'll call you when I own it. I'm, I'm in the process of buying it. And she calls me back and makes an offer on it. She's like, I'll give you five grand for it. I was like, okay. So she bought it that Wednesday. That's next week. I paid the seller on Tuesday. He gave me a quit claim deed. I didn't do any title research, which was stupid on my part. <laughs> like I'm an, I figured I was an expert real estate investor by that point. And yeah, um, got my $5,000 check on Wednesday and then bought us another one that weekend for $500. So as you see, I'm oh. doubling, doubling, double. They just get bigger and better. Yeah, you're an arbitrage um, there. Yeah. So I got, I put, gave this one five hundred dollars for an, another landlocked parcel of land. This one was landlocked, and I sold that on Craigslist on Sunday, like the next day, for wow. five hundred dollars down. 
and 500 a month. And that's the one that changed my life because it was a stream of income. Yes. It was paying my truck payment. And about the wow. fifth or sixth one, I told my wife, I was like, look, we're paying my truck payment, your van payment. Uh, she actually, she, she was about to buy the van, van actually. We didn't quite own it. Um, you know, when people are like, aspiring to own a van that's when you got to worry because we've <laughs> had a second kid we were talking about um but uh it was covering multiple payments for us so and i cool. said this is crazy we just need to do this like five more times yeah and we have financial freedom i can get out of the military and stop being away wow. all the time because i was afraid history was going to repeat itself i had a huge why i didn't want to lose another wife and this time kids <laughs> right. were involved exactly oh my goodness Wow, when you buy when you get these deals, do you um do you have to pay the back taxes? Yes, I do pay the back taxes. Okay. Um sometimes I'll just buy the land or I used to do this. I don't do it anymore. I buy them all through title insurance policies now. I I'm doing bigger deals because sure. that allowed me to pay off debt and like build my bank account. Um but yeah, there, I would literally buy the land from the seller, leave the back taxes and figure out when that redemption period was and then I'd have to go and to the county treasurer and pay a cash to get that that tax lien taken off but i would do it with my buyer's down payment um because i didn't have enough money to buy the land and pay off the taxes so i was like yeah. just scrambling figuring out how to do these deals wow. do you remember off the top of your head if i mean if you were go willing to share it that 285 dollar deal how much taxes you had to pay on that one um believe it or not the seller actually that's what the 285 was. He went he didn't even keep the money. He just went down to the to the treasurer's the office because because I asked the title company, I was like, hey, what's what's going on with the taxes? Cause it was literally like they gave me a five thousand dollar check and they said, No, someone came and just paid them. So it was a seller. Wow. He didn't even care about taking the money. He just did not want that that monkey on his shoulder. That's incredible. Steven, jump in here. We got, I know you got questions. Well, I have a lot of questions about the note, but I know that's not for your audience. But I do want to know if you're somebody that has real estate and you want to add this to your portfolio or say you are doing e-commerce or something else, how much time does this take up and how do you add it to? And is it that you're just trying to get the note or are you flipping them for the cash or does it always depend? I know yeah, it's like six I, questions in one. I apologize. And so, like, Stephen, yeah, why don't you? Um, I know what you're talking about here, but um, explain, like, uh, maybe, let me see if I can repeat this. And if it if this is what you're saying, are you looking for that that lump sum cash, or are you or the looking, monthly payment? No, you're looking for that monthly payment because he said he that one deal that changed his life was the five hundred dollar a month stream of income. Is that that's what you're talking about when you say the note? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, I do both. Um, I sometimes I'll I'll sell one cash to to build my bank account back up so I can get another purchase. I'll buy another parcel of land and then I'll seller finance that one. The big money comes in when I'm seller financing and creating these notes. And for anybody that's like, what is a note? Basically, a note is a promise to pay me a certain amount per month at an interest rate for this many years until they pay that total amount. That second parcel of land I, I sold for five grand, but they paid five hundred a month. You know, mm -hmm. ten months that's paid off. Um, so basically, they have to go to work to pay me for this land. Yeah. Um, so Ooh. my goal was to create as many of those notes as possible. So I'll do both. Um, yeah. Sometimes I'll I, sometimes I don't even have the cash. It'll be a bigger deal. I'm mailing right now some areas that will be buying the land for about five hundred grand and selling it for six ninety, but I won't be purchasing them. I'm actually just getting them under contract uh -huh. and then I'll assign Flipping my the contract, contract to a 
cash buyer. So there's multiple ways you can sell this land. Like you don't wow. need money to do this. And I wish I would have started that way and built my bank account, but I was, you know, get just getting a little bit of cash, then buy it and sell or finance it. And then before I knew it, as far as the time, how, how much time this takes, I had to be on base at 6 a.m. to go do physical training with the army. And then I would usually leave about 6 p.m. So 12 hour days pretty much. So I was figuring out a way to do this on, you know, mornings and nights and weekends yeah. Wow, um, with a brand new wife and a brand new baby. So I would say, you know, two to two hours a day, but it, for, it took me about nine months to get to about nine grand a month coming in for income. I was hustling. I really was. And awesome. maybe some days I would go and sneak in the bathroom and take phone calls from sellers and buyers. <laughs> um, but every lunch break, like I wasn't eating lunch, mm. you know, I, I might have had some carrots or whatever, and I would slam those and make the phone calls um, because I think people get carried away. They think they're building a business because they're listening to a podcast or educating. I hate I hate when action, people say I'm in action, education action. mode. I was in freaking action mode. Yeah, because I had three years from 2015 to like I decided when my first son was born, I was getting out of the military because I was gung ho for the military. I just became an army officer. I was a sergeant. In the when I was enlisted, and when that baby came out, my my wife remembers. She was like, "Yeah, you were gung ho for the army, but when he came out, like you were gung ho of getting out." So I had three years. I had a ticking clock. Yeah, and I had to figure out how to make five grand a month. Yeah, and I wanted it consistent, like every month coming in, and that's how. But you did nine grand in nine months. Yeah, I was nine grand a month. That's incredible. You know, I saw the negative happen. I saw the the bank taking my house and putting all of our garbage on the street and bags. Like, I, like I, I'm motivated by fear of pain, yeah, not towards mm. pleasure. Do you feel like this <laughs> is the for somebody who was interested in getting into real estate? This is the easiest way to do it if they don't have any money at all. Like, evolve because you're you know a lot about real estate and all the different ways you can get involved in that. Other than like investing in something like Fundrise, for example, where it's totally you don't even think about it. You just give them money and then they pay a percentage. But if you actually want to get your hands dirty a little bit, is this, in your opinion, the the easiest option for somebody with very little money, if it anything? Hands down, one hundred percent. Because I didn't have money. Yeah. So I couldn't just put it in a self-directed IRA or a, a real estate investment trust or, you know, buy stocks. Cause the reason why I didn't buy stocks is like, oh my God, like I don't have money to put in the stock market. <laughs> um, so I had to go out and create money out of thin air. I mean, I can yeah. give you a lot of Cohen's story. She's a single mom with four children. She just did her third land deal that she made 28 grand net profit um in the first two months of February. So she did it with no money, um, you know, and, and no time. She's got four children and she's, she <laughs> owns a interior decorating business. So she's not just like living off of a trust fund either. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. What's so what the, what is, would you say the work of this is obviously you said in the early days you were mailing out cards to people that were delinquent on their taxes. I'm sure there's other ways to find properties than just that, but what yeah. would you say the actual work of this is where's the work come into play is just talking to sellers. Yep. Um, you know, sometimes there's a little negotiation. Sometimes it's not, we've kind of evolved into mailing out purchase agreements. Remember I talked about selling my purchase agreement. 
Now, like for instance, Ryan, let's just say that you own a piece of land mm-hmm. in, well, let's use Steven, you know, he's, he's over there in the hottest part of Florida, like that area. And I don't mean temperature. I mean, like people are moving there like crazy. So I look on Zillow, I can see 19 parcels of land sold in the last seven days in his area. And I'm like, oh my God, that's a high demand area. So I don't recommend people go to the middle of the desert where land is never <laughs> selling. I mean, sometimes it does and you can get a great deals out there, but why don't I go to the West coast of Florida and see where on Zillow or Redfin, oh my gosh, look at all those yellow dots on Zillow. Look at all those sold. Now let's click on each one of them. And okay, it looks like a parcel of land. It looks like on average is selling for about you know $85 a square foot. Let's just say $100 a square foot for easy math. I'm making these numbers up. So I do a little bit of backwards planning, selling for $100 a square foot, You know, the, the lot selling for about 100 grand. And I want to make 10 grand on it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer about 90, but you know, what if a realtor brings a buyer? So 6% for the realtor. So now I need to offer um, 86,000 because we need to figure 6%, actually 84,000 because we need to figure another 6,000 for the realtor plus closing costs. So call that 83. And then let's just say my buyer wants a discount too. So my buyer is going to want a 10% discount. So I'm at about $75,000 or 75 cents on the dollar. Uh-huh. And I can send Stephen a mailer for his, you know, 10,000 square foot parcel of land at 75 cents on the dollar, you know, at a discount and he can, he can sign it and send it back or he can throw it away or he can call me and say, how dare you insult me? This is Florida and people are moving here like crazy. Um, you need to bump your offer up, but there's so many ways you can do that. But I just gave, like, we just got an asset under contract with none of our own money that we can make 10 grand on. We can sell that contract to someone. We can list it on the, you can literally put some of these on the MLS without even owning it. If the seller allows you and agrees to do it. Like I don't recommend doing that behind their back. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, there's that's, that's it. And that's the practical ways to do it. You know, if someone's like, I want to copy this, this purchase agreement that that Brent's talking about, I already gave you how to get the postcard, but go to the landsharks.com forward slash L O L land offer letter or laugh out loud because you just got an asset under contract for 75 cents on the dollar. That's awesome. I have a question. Do you ever use options also, or is it always purchase agreements that you're using? I have never done an option. I've had some big time investors say, yeah, why don't you do options? And it's just another tool in the tool belt. I've personally never done an option. Yeah. Cause we, I've, I have not personally, but I've been involved in deals that are involving land on options. And I was like, oh, this is an ingenious way of doing it. But I was just mm-hmm. curious from your perspective. But I think that same idea of sending an option contracts out, because then you do have the rights to list it on the MLS and everything else, because you have ownership essentially with doing it that way. But it it is interesting, Hold as long as you're having the conversation with the owner, you can kind of structure it any way that you want. I do have a question yeah. also about the notes. Do you have a go-to for like time or percentage that you're looking for when you're making those or they're always different every land deal? They're always different. I, you know, many years ago when I first started this, I would do 0% interest and then I started charging 6% interest and then we got really crazy and we started doing 30-year mortgages on some of these because <laughs> I ran, I, I did these studies and I'm like looking at all these banks. They're usually the prettiest, nicest buildings in every city and every state. And if you look at a $200,000 mortgage at 6% interest, 
if that person pays for 30 years and they never miss a payment, never refinance, they're paying back $430,000. That's more in interest than what they paid for the house. So the banks have it figured out. Now we're doing 9% and 12% loans, which I think we're about to drop that down a little bit because with these higher in- higher interest rates, these buyers are loving it when they see like, oh my God, I can get a cheaper interest rate from you than if I bought a home right now. And you could probably bump the price a little too. Oh yeah, we're, we're selling these for full retail because it's almost like a buy here, pay here car lot. Yes. Like anybody listening to the show, stay the heck away from those. Like you're gonna, <laughs> it's almost like a high interest credit card buying a, 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 like, but that's really what the land business is. But the only difference is land doesn't move. You don't have to chase it down when they stop paying. You don't have to go repo it. Right. Wow. Interesting. Can you buy, is it easy to buy a property that's not anywhere near where you live physically? Yeah. I mean, I talked about um, the, the Indiana parcel. Okay, we that's right. And we, we weren't mailing Indiana. And actually, someone found this on the internet and said, hey, I got some lots. We bought a couple of them at about 30 cents on the dollar. Uh-huh. Um, I think we paid around, uh, I think, four grand for it. Um, and we sold it for, I think, almost like 14 grand. So we actually wow. th- more than three extra money plus we're charging 12% interest. Now we didn't, we didn't over, like we didn't sell it for more than what it was worth. We sold it exactly what the retail was saying it was worth, mm-hmm. but we are collecting payments on it at, at interest. So yeah. each, each land deal we do with notes, we charge a $20 a month note service fee as well. So that way the bookkeepers paid and we pay for our note servicing software, we charge a documentation fee to write the doc, the actual contract for deed up. Um, so it's just all these little little things. They're just additional income streams. Yeah. So they contacted you that the folks in Indiana found about you guys and proactively yeah. reached out. They said, "Hey, we got some land. Are you interested in it?" And I was like, yeah. "Well, we we've never bought in Indiana before, so we 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 went on again on Zillow and uh-huh. figured out who was selling all the land in that area, and we kept." We kept looking at who it was listed by and who it was bought by. So that's, we figured out who the land specialist realtor was and we asked them to go out there and see what they were worth. And they ended up listing it for us. Nice. That's a genius. I want people to really pick up on that because you're not an expertise. You're an expert in land, but not in that area, but you were able to identify through Mm -hmm. looking at buy sells who's actually performing most of those actions and then being able to reach out to that person. This is something that, I think it's being missed in a lot of these conversations, Ryan, is like, yeah. y- you just have to think slightly differently. But if you're in the mix, you can kind of process like, what is the best way to go about that? You didn't get on a plane and fly out there and oh, <laughs> see no what way. it looks like, but you found <laughs> who the expert in that area was and was able to reach out to them and leverage their expertise. But that's genius. Yeah, it took I like me that. years to figure that out, actually, because we made a bad buy. Unfortunately, most of the stuff I figured yeah. out is from mistakes. <laughs> um, but we did a bad buy. And like I've got a realtor everywhere we go now. And and I've had I had a student one time, a realtor stole a deal from him. And because he called me, he's like, Well, what if the realtor stole steals a deal? I'm from California. That happens all the time. I was like, Bro, that's never happened to me. You're crazy for even thinking yeah. about. It. Well, guess what? It happened it to him. Yeah. <laughs> so now we figured out. Well, how do we find the right realtor? Usually, the the realtor that's doing all the deals in the area is not going to be stealing because they've got an amazing reputation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then they'll tell you, you know, okay, this is A Street. 
be very careful about B Street because they they have septic systems and wells. A Street goes for ten thousand more per parcel city. because there's city water and um you know whatever well and septic or city water and uh, sewage sewer. There we go. I threw a blank there, <laughs> but that little thing can catch you pretty yep. like ten thousand dollar difference. And you're like, oh yeah, looking at the whole neighborhood. Yeah, these cops are amazing. This one sold for forty eight. This one only sold for twenty eight. I don't know why. Yeah. They're about to That'd pass something true. and force you to hook up, and the hookup is going to be at least ten thousand. Yeah, there's a whole bunch yeah. of stuff like that. You need an expert in the area to. Interesting. How does this compare to like <clears throat> with physical, like a, a house, for example? There's all the deductions that you get, appreciation, depreciation. With land, is there some of the same tax advantages, different ones, or what? Nope, no, none. You don't get depreciation on land because there's nothing to depreciate. It doesn't go. So a house, the reason why you get the depreciation and the cost segregation, which those are amazing tax benefits, and I I utilize those. We own our office building. Um, I've bought some rental properties that are, are vacation homes, um, but we rent them out so we can get that cost segregation. And you yeah. could virtually pay no money in taxes if you have the right CPA and you do this right. Yeah. But a house, a building is like an apple that falls on the ground. Something either eats it or it rots. Mm-hmm. So that that's the reason why the IRS gives you credits for that. Plus you're providing housing and workplace and all that. So um, yeah, there's this pretty good strategy. We actually use land income to buy more income producing real estate, which are like mm-hmm. apartment comp, but I don't go in it alone. I invest with, you know, my friend Colin that, that has a property management company and he ran the whole 19 unit apartment complex. And, you know, we bought our office building and rented out half of it. Nice. And then eventually we stopped using all of it and then rented out the whole thing. So mm. that's how we, we get our, our cost say, I'm sorry, our tax savings through cost segregation and, um, depreciation. That's awesome. Steven, I want to ask him about the, like the, how he built the team. Cause I'm thinking about our VAs in the Philippines, how they could actually do this, but I know you probably have more questions and feel free to go advanced <laughs> if you want. I don't care. There are people listening that are into real estate that want to ask, you know, deep questions. So go for it. Well, I guess thinking about your audience, how long did it take you to evolve into that? Seeing that buying land is a great income source and it brings in cash, but then Oh, you're getting realizing that you had to pay a lot of taxes. How do you offset that now? Where where was the evolution of that? And I'll let you answer that question. I have a follow up question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That first year, I was like, got the tax bill, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. if you're like me, like I highly recommend set up because that's short term capital gains when you're doing that ordinary. Like that. No, it wasn't even capital gains. It's ordinary, ordinary income. Ooh. So even worse. Um, is it because yes. of the amount that you were doing? No, because I was a dealer. Um, I was uh, uh, being classified uh, as a dealer uh-huh. because, okay, okay, okay. and how the IRS figures that out is like, did you plan to sell this before you bought it? And I said, yep. Wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the honest answer. So I, and like, I got that first tax bill and I had put all, I had just put all my money into another land deal. Mm-hmm. And it was about to be the biggest land deal. The problem with the entrepreneurs and or me anyways, I think a lot of real estate investors is like each time we put our profit, because I wasn't bigger, living bigger, off this money yet. I was living off of my army income. So got a little profit and the deals kept getting bigger and bigger. And I had all my cash, like hundreds of thousands of dollars rolled up in one deal. And it's like, you got to implement something called profit first. It's a yeah. book written by Mike Michalowicz. Mm-hmm. And I read it when I first started business a couple, well, 
2016. It didn't make sense to me then. Well, I just read it again a few months ago, and it makes, makes all a lot of sense. Of yeah. sense I'm like, oh, no wonder why every year in April I want to shoot myself in the foot. Um, but no, it was I got that first tax bill, and I was like scrambling. Like, so I fired my CPA. I hired another one, paid him like six grand just to consult me. And he's like, all right, do this, 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 this. So we went, and the next year we bought like multiple buildings just to offset offset it. the gains. Mm. Nice, nice, nice. Mm. What's your follow up question? Well, the follow-up question was, as you're doing <laughs> that, are you pre-planning like when you're purchasing to go, hey, I shouldn't flip this one because it's going to cause a big tax and I should definitely put this into a note? And do you ever do that with the thought of selling that note or exchanging that note later? Boy, you are a chess player. I'm a checker player. <laughs> okay. Um, so well, I, I would think, love to talk to you later because I think there's a lot of opportunities for you if you are holding a bunch of notes. Yeah, I got but like I, 70 of them right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we've been calling our, our mm-hmm. payers, our, our buyers to say, hey, if you could pay this thing off in the next 30 days, we'll knock 10% off or 15. Mm-hmm. My assistants. But you me. don't sell to other people? No, I've never done that. My students do it all the time. Yeah, Stephen, we gotta, talk, um, talk, we're going to do that real quick. What does that look like and the benefit of that? I think I get it, but I just want to make sure I'm tracking with you. You're creating notes and mortgages, essentially. Yep. So he's stacking up a bunch of income, but he's yep. essentially holding on to a lot of potential money. So mm-hmm. gaining access to that money sooner is, I'm yep. sure, a huge benefit to him because then he can redeploy that money. Yep. And if he's making notes that were years ago where he's paying no interest on them, that's not a huge benefit to him, especially over the long term because he's just losing to inflation or something mm, else. This yeah. might be a little too high level. I apologize. But no, essentially, no, he's trying to cash out of yeah. old notes to yeah. redeploy that. Because he's already at a capital. point where he's the monthly income he's getting, he, he doesn't need any more monthly income. That's an assumption. Maybe. I'm assuming, yeah, assuming And that. so he's, yeah. yeah. We got one that's paying off in the next couple of days. It's going to be like 126 grand. Um, that one, we, that's a four and a half percent. So I'm kind of glad that one was going. I actually tried to f- sell her finance for the buyer that's buying that land at 12%, but they, they thought I was out of my mind. Um, so <laughs> did I you tell them that you're, the, oh, sorry, go for it. I would have went down to nine, but they didn't, they didn't <laughs> negotiate, but did I tell them what? Well, I was going to say that you're avoiding all those bank fees also. Like I think people look at the percentage and they're still suck on the percentage. Like I can get the for a bank for eight, it's like, yeah, but we're not charging origination fees. We're not hitting yes! all this other stuff. If you actually look at the numbers, <sighs> the 12% See, is better for you. You're right. You're absolutely right. Because the banks, they call it origination fees, which are AKA points. They're like hard money lenders, honestly. Um, so yeah. And they just I, hide I it and they're moving that. everything. And yeah, <laughs> but that's why we sit down with sellers when we try to do order finance and just like go through everything. It's like, what is the bank actually going to charge you? See, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Yeah. A really good friend of mine, Jimmy Napier, used to <laughs> lend money out. And then before he actually, it was back in the day when he was giving checks, he would like hold the check. And before he could take it out of his hand, he was like, remember now, I didn't charge you no original, like go down everything to see why it was better to borrow from him at a higher interest rate than it was. And that was always stuck with me. Mm. But uh, that That's might be such a, a good point. Book. I'll say it on here. Invest in debt by Jimmy Napier. I knew uh, I heard that name before. That's why I knew that He's name. a good friend. Was he passed now, which is heart-wrenching, but (laughs) he was extremely wise on notes, but I think it's a perfect book for you. Anybody? I'll read that. It is expensive now, 
uh, I suggest people try to look on eBay for people that are selling it like secondhand, but it's out of That's print. A, so the price hey, is like Steven, if it's out of print, now. can we reprint it for him? Can we reprint Ooh. that? And who has the rights to it? That is a very good question. I think another friend of mine ought to reach out to him. That's a good question. He only sells it at his events, but he might be stopping events. I'll have to you republish that. I'm sure there's someone that's bought a um, a hoarder house that's probably got it in the garage and oh, yeah, for sure. got a copy or two <laughs> exactly. there. For sure. So, but no, I so I here's my here's I keep it this simple, Stephen. I think like I again I play checkers. I've never played chess. <laughs> um, I'm just like a I'm knuckle dragger in the army. Like I wasn't smart enough to go in the air force. Yeah, but it's funny because you're you're evolving into this, and I think that's how most people operate. I think everybody starts out as checkers. You got to do one move at a time. Otherwise, you're yeah. thinking too much and you're not taking action. I think the way that you're that's doing true. it is the way that it should be done. I just have a lot of experience and <laughs> hang around a lot of 80, 90 year olds where I go, oh, what about this? And then been a part no. of a couple of those where I go, ooh, this is like how it's really being done in a higher level. But that is the brilliant. way that you're doing it, I think, is the best way to do it because you learn. And then when you get burned, you learn that lesson for oh, sure. Yeah. Instead of somebody telling you, like when you read that book, you hear it, but you don't have any way to apply it. It's, there's no bucket for it. But as soon as you get burned and you go back to that, book, you're like, ah, I know exactly how to apply this now because yeah. I burnt myself. <laughs> Our contract started as a one page. Now it's grown into like four or five pages Ooh. because every time something happens, I, I go, okay, I got to put a paragraph like that in there. I never would have thought yeah. about that. Yeah. That's mm. so true. Well, I'll tell you, I, I keep it really simple. And, you know, we do a couple, like I talked to you about, about those five and $600,000 deals. That's what gets us the $20,000 payments, you know, but I am, I have one focus. I have a very small team and I have one land sales specialist and we're actually migrating more to where realtors sell this stuff for us. Mm. Um, and then we do a traditional closing and all that. And then we just set a note and a deed of trust. We're basically the bank. But I only focus, I, I want to bring in an additional $250 a month every single week. So four weeks, that gives me an extra thousand. Yeah. Uh, three months, that gives me an extra 3,000. So, and then so on. And it really compounds on itself. And, you know, yeah. some pay off quick, some pay off sooner. Um, some of them, these are 30 year mortgages that we probably could start selling. Mm. That's so cool. Tell me about your team, because I'm curious about that. One of the, things that interview valet said that you like to talk about is how you've been able to scale this using your team. So what does that look like? Yeah, we, I'm actually scaling down at this point. Um, so at one time I had two acquisition managers. Um, we're down to one acquisition manager right now and she's actually retiring. She bought a, bought a farm. She's completely debt-free. Did nice. a couple very smart investments. Um, I hired Jen, um, in April, 2017. Uh, she was my second hire. The first hire was Malika, my virtual assistant. Um, I have an in-house accountant. Um, she's just a retired accountant with an MBA finance degree that she just wanted to kind of work from home because these notes kind of get a little crazy. And then we were also flipping houses um, at the time. We had eight or nine flips going. You are glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah, virtual. You want to know the fastest way to lose money in real estate? You flip houses virtually. And then your land business fails you out. Um, another reason why profit first was forced on me. Mm. Um, and now I coach people and I'm like, profit first, pro they're, they're sick of me saying it. I know they are, yeah. but, um, so, and then, then we have Orlando, he sells our land. He gets, you know, he gets a down payment, a doc fee. Sometimes they'll just go to my website and buy it in the middle of the night. And Orlando has a right to deal or the, the land contract. Um, are these people Kelly, all local to you or are they, no. they're all okay. All of the no, we're all work from home now. Um, at one time, we were mostly all out in Colorado Springs. That's why we had the office. Mm -hmm. I moved out of Colorado Springs to Florida. 
Um, the office sat vacant for a year and a half. Uh, wow. <laughs> not a, not a recommendation. <laughs> um, we were like paying the snack bill and the coffee bill and the cleaning bills. Like, wait a minute, the, there's and no one there. there. <laughs> <laughs> um, another. Let me give you a quick tip. Yeah. After I tell you my team, there's one more person, which is my executive assistant. Um, actually, uh, her name's Kelly. She used to work for a guy named Mason, um, who's now a uh, land shark. He's in our land sharks community. He used to be the CEO of a hospital out in the Colorado Springs. And in three months, he quit his job. And I was freaking out. I was like, dude, you don't quit your job three months in the building a business. He goes, trust me, I made more in three months in land in the last 12 months as being the CEO and my body's wow. deteriorating. So I hired Kelly, his executive assistant. Um, and she's just unbelievable. That's she's the one awesome. getting people to pay off their notes quicker. But uh, that's my team. Mm, that's so good. Stephen, I'll let so, you, you ask a last question or so, and then we'll have, let, <laughs> wrap for up someone here. that has a business, they're looking to get started. Is there a like location that you would say stake around you? Is there a cost that you would suggest? What would a great beginning deal look like for someone that is just getting started in this and doesn't know anything about real estate? Yeah, I recommend with just starting out, try and do it about two and a half hours. Try and look at locations within about two and a half hours where you currently live. Um, that doesn't work for everybody. It works for the majority, and I'm not dead set on that. Um, but that something about two and a half hours, you could drive to it on the weekend, like I used yeah. to for my land. And let's just say you live in Orlando. And you can go to Zillow or Redfin, type in Orlando, and then go to the filter, hit sold, then scroll down and hit land. And then look what's happened in the last seven days. All right, nothing really. Look what's happened in the last you know month or then three months. And it's like, okay, nothing's like, I don't like this area. So exit out of Orlando and then you kind of see the, the surrounding areas like, yeah. oh man, there's a little pocket over here. There's a little cluster Lakeland of souls. Or- yeah, like, and let's just say you're in Indiana. You can do the same thing in Indiana. Um, I'm not super familiar with that area, but you know, there's 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 pockets of solds or clusters, and that's what I'm looking for. It tells me there's demand. It tells me the price range. It tells me the the size, and then I go pull lists of those landowners that own the land. And let's just say that in demand size is like ten thousand square foot lots. Well, pull all the ten thousand square foot lots and mail those people that land offer letter or the. Wow. the Postcard. The um, postcard. And I don't want to get hung up on a price because you can make money with bicycles. You find it on the side of the road for free. You, you clean it, wash it, and sell it. And you can make money with Porsches. Same thing. Like it, mm. It's just it's different prices. It's Real estate so micro. Um, and then eventually you can expand. But uh, I don't recommend it in the, in the beginning. Mm. That's good. Steve, anything else before we have ask him to... <clears throat> I'm so glad you've been on here. You've been, you've added a whole depth of knowledge. So, uh, well, Brent, tell us any any last minute tips or just advice you'd say to people who are thinking about going this direction, or just any advice about being yeah. an entrepreneur. Yeah, we already talked about taking action, 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 yeah. action, being go mode. Um, even if you're a knuckle dragger, but I was starting to mention one of the things I'm doing with Profit First, how we saved a ton of money on like subscriptions. Um, I hired a CFO too, a fractional CFO, not an in-house CFO, but he had me, and his name is David Richter um, with Profit First CFO. He had me go through every single expense and write, you know, does this bring a return on investment now? Is this a need? And can I get rid of it? Because you can all, like for instance, subscriptions. I had multiple subscriptions Prune. to Adobe. What's that? 
prune. Make sure you prune. Yeah, pruning. That's right. Because you know, a dollar saved is more better than a dollar earned. Um, and what I mean by that is you're paying taxes on that dollar you earned. (laughs) But um, Mm -hmm. so I got rid of like multiple subscriptions to Adobe people that didn't even work for us anymore that we Mm. were paying like. And same thing with DocuSign, they're forty dollars each. We got rid of websites we weren't using. Phone. I got rid of 36 phone lines we haven't used to market in in like a year. And then I went even crazier the other day. I reported all my debit cards lost, so people can will stop charging them. (laughs) So like, you know, that's a high level strategy right there. (laughs) Yeah, I think I shaved a thousand dollars in expenses just the other day off of like uh, Mailchimp, a couple websites, and a few phone numbers. A wow. thousand a month. That's brilliant. So your income <laughs> increases and so do your expenses. But there's one thing about income. Sometimes it goes down, sometimes yeah. it goes up, but those expenses just keep rising like this like the housing market over the many years. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Brian, this has been awesome, man. Let me just tell you, I I love this these conversations. So anytime you want to jump back on, if you want to geek out with Steven, I, I don't even have to be on here if you don't want me to. But uh, this has been enormously fun and good good to meet you and thanks for Uh, all you're doing and helping people get financially free appreciate you guys very much bye bye everyone see you next week